0: Hey, 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 you guys. Welcome to episode 11 of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast. How are you guys doing? Hope you guys are having an awesome, awesome week so far and had a really beautiful, restful, energizing, whatever you needed weekend celebrating, whether it was Passover, Easter, or whatever the hell you celebrate. I hope that you had a great time hanging out with friends, family, whatever it was. I myself went up to a really beautiful area in Wisconsin uh, for a little getaway with my mom and dad, my brother, and my husband, and it was so nice. My family lives far away, and... I don't get to see them super, super often, and we are really close, and it was just really lovely to have some time to chill and just hang out. We tried, you guys, we tried virtual reality for the first time ever. You guys got to let me know in our Facebook community if you have done this before because it was crazy and really fucking cool, and I feel like I'm going to have to do a whole podcast on virtual reality at some point. Maybe I'll get a specialist or like the person who invented it on here. Let me know if you'd be interested, because I feel like you guys, we might be going in that direction in the future. Not sure how I feel about it, but that's part of life, I guess. Um, but it was just so wonderful to to have some time to unplug, you know? Uh, I love social media, obviously. It's a huge part of my life, and it's something that I genuinely love. It used to be something that drained the shit out of me. But, you know, between the last two and a half years of, of building a community online and and getting to spend time with you guys and and just really, really connect with you guys, like on a one on one basis, outside of the podcast and seeing you guys shout out the podcast on Instagram or talking to you guys in our community on Facebook, it's seriously my favorite thing on the planet. And That is why the power of social media can be so, so beautiful if you use it with intention. And sometimes I'm not always the best at that. And so it's really nice to just have a reason and an excuse to put your phone away and have connected time with people you love, you know, people that genuinely make you so happy and, and light you up. So I hope you had that as well. And you guys, I'm so fucking stoked for today's episode. Um, if you do not know Harmony France, um, get ready because you're about to have some serious, uh, incredible, feminist, beautiful power coming at you. She is seriously amazing. And I will chat with you all about her in one second. But before I do, I'm so excited to share that this episode is brought to you by Bully Make. So you guys know I've been talking about this on the podcast for a couple of weeks now, and you guys know that I would not put shit out on here and share this with you guys if I was not super excited about it in the first place. And for all you dog mamas out there, which I know there are a lot of you guys because you're constantly sending me little snaps of your pups, and I love it. It makes my heart so happy. You guys, if you have dogs in your life, this subscription box is seriously so Amazing, and it has changed our life. I used to spend so much time trying to find really specific toys and treats that work for Toby. If you guys watch us doing our dancing videos on my personal Instagram on Amanda Catherine Loy, you know that like he is the love of my life and he is basically my furry test child as my husband calls us, calls him. Um, and so, you know, having toys that he's not going to just destroy and also like break the bank is so huge. And also he is allergic to a lot of different foods, which we found out the hard way. And so he can eat gluten and he can eat chicken. And so a lot of treats that are standard in pet stores just aren't really possible for him to eat. And beyond that, a lot of them are not natural. And you know me and being, you know, I'm super mindful about putting shit in my body that is really, really nutrient dense and incredible and going to help me thrive. And I want the same for my dog. (laughs) You know, call me crazy dog mom, but that's just how it is. So what I love about Bully Make is that they are a subscription box that comes straight to your door. And they're for power chewers, but honestly, they are for any dog that loves really fun toys that are going to last and not break the bank. They come straight to your doorstep again, and they also bring incredible like natural treats. So you get anywhere from two to three seriously tough toys and three to four delicious all-natural treats, and you can tailor it completely to your dog. Shipping is free in the U.S. and it also ships to Canada, Australia, and the U.K. because I know I got some of you babes down under. <laughs> um, so definitely check it out. You can go to their website, Bullymake, B-U-L-L-Y-M-A-K-E.com and use my code L-Y-F-Y-L, which is short for Live Your Fuck yes Life, to get $10 off your box, you guys. It's a really, really incredible deal. You get it straight to your door and your pup is going to be the happiest human of all time. So again, the code is L-Y-F-Y-L for $10 off. Enjoy. All right, you guys. So before we dive into today's episode, we are going to do a little shout out because you guys have been sharing like fucking crazy lately (laughs) and it makes me so happy um, to see you guys share and shout out the podcast on social media. And also to see all of your reviews coming in and, and sharing, you guys have been rating a lot on on uh, on iTunes, which means the world. Um, but if you could take like two seconds out of your day, I know you guys are busy as fuck, and you're like, I don't have time to write a review. But even just a couple of, of of words and saying what you think about the podcast would mean so much to me. It literally, I read them all. It really, really makes my heart so happy, and it just gets the podcast out on bigger platforms and. Helps it share and get this, you know, accessible to other women out there who are struggling with all this shit and need the support and love and may not even know this is out there. So, so whether it's sharing it with a friend or writing a review or shouting us out on social media, again, make sure you tag Live Your Fuck Yes Life. That's all one word, um, so that I will see it because otherwise I don't see them. Um, And so today's shout out goes to Betsy Shepley on Instagram. Love you, girl, and she was chatting about episode ten which was our last week's episode. Um, it was my solo episode called Finding Strength in Unexpected Places. And she says, if you need some serious real talk from the most open, raw, down-to-earth girl boss ever, listen to this. Thank you, girl. I freaking adore you. And that means so much to me that you are shouting out the podcast. And seriously, you guys, like, i that's what I hope to do is just is share the real talk and be raw and be open with you guys. And last week's episode was definitely me sharing that. So it was so nice to see all of your guys' feedback and thoughts on what strength means. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to it, make sure you head back there. But today, we're going to be kind of continuing the theme about strength and in a really different and new way and in a way that we haven't talked about on the podcast before. Um, and that is with the incredible Harmony France, you guys. Harmony is the co-artistic director of the world's first feminist musical theater company. It's called Firebrand Theater, and they are a Chicago-based And this makes me so excited as an artist because as you guys know, in addition to being a health coach and a podcaster, I'm an actor. I got my degree in musical theater and acting and theater is a really, really big and important part of my life. And so I'm so excited to kind of share this side of me um, and, and share this aspect of the world with all of you guys, because it is, it is, we don't just talk about theater, but we talk about feminism and we talk about advocating for yourself as a woman in such incredible ways. And she, her perspective, you guys, is so, so empowering and powerful. She comes from so many different areas of her life and she brings them all together to share her experiences. And I mean, she spent time as a casting director, as a teacher, as an actor, as a singer, as a writer for Huffington Post and beyond. She's also a hella act. And she also spent a lot of time as a younger uh, woman as a Navy veteran in the Navy. And so she's a Navy veteran, which is so, so interesting and honestly something I didn't even know about her until then. So in today's episode, we chat all about what it is to be an artist in Chicago, the um, feminist theater, and what it means to be a feminist in today's age. We also talk a lot about body dysmorphia and fat shaming in the theater community and talking all about, you know, not taking the easy way out of life that, you know, the, the things that go into launching a company and, and some really, really interesting pro- productivity um, to-do list tackles um, that I didn't even expect to get into um, with her in this in this episode. So we dive into some really, really beautiful things, some empowering tools that you guys can genuinely take away. And also, uh, she has a story that is unlike anything I have ever heard before, and so I can't wait for you guys to hear it and just get a dish out of her beautiful, beautiful world and her mind and her love. So without further ado, here is today's episode. Hey, Harmony, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. I'm so, so stoked you are here. So for those of you who do not know Harmony France, um, she's like a freaking bomb human (laughs) and has done some of the most incredible things in her entire life, but also just like in the past few years, I feel like you have really made a mark within at least the theater community in Chicago Mm -hmm. and beyond, I think, um, in ways... I, as a woman, have always felt like I needed an advocate for, or like a, a space to exist. And it's so freaking rad as an artist and as just a like a human being to feel like <laughs> there are people like you out there who are legitimately making moves towards hopefully a better future. Um, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> for those of you who, who, who don't know, you aren't familiar with your work. Can you just share kind of a little bit about what you do, who you are? Like whatever, whatever you want to share, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, well,
1: currently I'm the artistic director of Firebrand Theater and we are, um, the first equity feminist musical theater company in history, mm-hmm. um, which is annoying since it's 2018. Um, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, before that, uh, I was an actor. I was on the, um, Broadway, um, Broadway. National and international tour of Sister Act. Uh, I went to Columbia College. I went to Brunel University. I was also in the Navy. So yeah, all over the
0: place. (laughs) Oh my God! What a what a world of a journey. It's so funny. Cool. So in terms of okay, so for those people who are not who are listening and not familiar with the acting world, um, can you explain a little bit about what? being equity means and kind of like what that navigational like what what inspired you to make it an equity theater that kind of stuff
1: sure um equity actors equity is just the actors union so just like there's a truckers union and there's all the unions for different um vocations that's ours Mm -hmm. um and it was important for um danny smith my co-founder and i we really talked about it because doing an equity show is so much more expensive. Mm -hmm. And for a starting out company, it's kind of unheard of to start as equity. I mean, there are some companies that do, but the last musical theater company that started out as equity was Paramount. So that kind of, um, for anyone that doesn't know, it's a huge theater in Aurora. um, And that's not what we are. (laughs) We didn't have any startup funds. We
0: didn't
1: didn't have anything, but it was still really important for us to start off as equity for a couple of reasons. The main being eventually I, I want to be able to pay everyone a living wage, yeah. which is not really a thing in Chicago theater. Yeah, welcome to um, acting
0: in Chicago, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> even in equity theater. Like yeah. I have, I have equity friends that work all the time that still have to have side hustles, you mm-hmm. know? Um, Cause we just, this isn't where Chicago is not where you go to make money to being an actor, unless you're getting on the TV shows or whatever. In theater, you don't make money um, as an actor. So it's just kind of not really a thing. So there was that. And then there was also, I mean, there's a new theater company starts every day in Chicago. And we really wanted to- And this isn't my view. I actually, some of the best work I have ever seen has been from non-equity houses. But we really wanted to be taken seriously by the community, um, by the press outlets. You know, um, we really wanted to make a big splash and just kind of be competitive right right out of the gate. Our business model makes no sense. Like no (laughs) one does our
0: business model. But it has worked. I mean- (laughs) It has worked. You're in your first season and you have created a brand for yourself and you have created a movement. Like it is not just a theater company that you have started. You have armed yourself with literally an army of people who are a hundred percent behind your mission, behind what you're doing. And it's really fucking cool. <laughs> and as an actor in the city of Chicago, It's really hard to – you're right. It's really hard to feel like your life is 100% in the theater at all times because it just can't be if you're trying to pay your bills. (laughs) The struggle is so real. So it's like – it's just so – it's really, really – it's just so, like, self-assuring and just feeling like there's movement in the right direction as an artist um, because of what you guys are doing, and it's been such a short amount of time, and I just – cannot thank you guys enough for having the courage, (laughs) no, having the courage to like genuinely start this.
1: It's terrifying. I mean, it's really, it's honestly, it's terrifying every day. Like right now, without going too much into it, like there's stuff that I need to magically have just manifest before nine to five starts. Like Mm -hmm. there's money that I need and, you Mm -hmm. know, different things. Like you're constantly worried about money. Literally it never ends. Even with Lizzie and Lizzie was pretty big success. success. Um, we sold out for most of the run and then had an extension and we still like, you, you still don't really break even. I mean, there's money in your account when you're done, Mm -hmm. but all the money you put into it, I mean, it still has to have, you still have to have donations. Um, we're so young, but hopefully grants, uh, you know, in the future now that we're we qualified for them. Before yeah. it was like we had nothing to show. Right. Um but we actually launched because we launched a year early and we did um mission-based fundraising mm-hmm. for a full year mm-hmm. of just concerts and benefits. Um we did gender bent concerts. We did mm-hmm. a Jesus Christ
0: Superstar gender bent concert oh, which was girl, like- I was in the audience for that. It oh, was my- amazing <laughs> oh, It was so good. So good. Oh my It was so
1: good. Was oh, so, good. Was so excited. It just, you know, I think that that was actually the very first thing we did. And I think that it really showed people like what we were going to be about, you know, Um, but not just, just gender roles in general, because actually one of the most moving things to me in the Jesus Christ Superstar concert was um, my friend, Stephen Perkins played Mary Magdalene. And he sang that he's saying, I don't know how to love her. Yeah. Like he was so he sang this like vulnerable song that admits to feeling weak. And when do men sing about that on stage? So I just thought it was so illuminating in in so many ways, um, mixing up the gender roles like that.
0: Yeah. So can you share a little bit about more about Firebrand's mission and and what your kind of role is within the yeah, world.
1: absolutely. Um I'm the co-founder and the artistic director. Um our mission is that we are a musical theater company committed to employing and empowering women on and off the stage. Um and then, you know, we have our so that's like our public mission. And yeah. then um like our inner mission <laughs> like what what I hold myself to every day yeah. is that we will never have more men than women on stage. Um we are going to put women in as many positions as possible, um, on the artistic teams, designers, musicians. Um, we definitely want to work with men, but we're just Mm -hmm. trying to even, we're trying to even the field. So, and it's really important to us. Like on Lizzie, we had, we had men working on the show and they were great and they were feminists and they're amazing. Yeah. Um, but of the 32 people that worked on Lizzie, 28 were women, and that's just kind of <laughs> not unheard <a> thing. <laughs> of.
0: Yeah. It's oh my thing. gosh, that's so. Crazy. And then
1: um, the other thing is that we really want to tell different women's stories. I'm not interested in just doing white lady musicals, for instance. Um, and the story needs to actually be about women. So, Company Nine, that has a lot of women in it, but they're all like fighting over men. So, that, yeah. that's not really, that doesn't fit our mission. Yeah. Um, so, it's a really tall order, and the musical theater canon actually doesn't support our mission. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we're having to be really creative in our programming to make sure that we check as many boxes as possible. Like Lizzie, for instance, was written by three men. They're three great men.
0: Yeah.
1: But, um, but the piece itself was so feminist. So we yeah. felt like we could use it. Like there, And there are pieces that are written by women that I honestly don't think are feminist enough for my company. So mm-hmm. it, um, there's just a lot of um, balancing where it's never going to be, I'm never going to have it all oh, female everything yeah. all the time like that that even Lizzie was like all women on in the in the pit and on stage yeah and it was rad. Five, it was it was amazing for for that show but like nine to five of course has men in it yes. there, are, there are men in the story um we have one male musician you know with all the other like w- lady musicians so but we're really careful. (laughs) We're really, we're really picky about the men that we invite into the fold because one of the important thing, the whole reason we started this is Danny Smith and I would be sitting on my couch for the last like 10 years talking about how I was fat shamed at this theater Mm -hmm. or she had to like you know, she had to change her tactic because she had to negotiate like this male ego in, mm-hmm. in the room for this show that she mm-hmm. did. Or we talk about like being harassed at work or like whatever. And, um, you know, we're women and we're in theater. So that's just the stuff that we deal with. And we almost were like, until we finally had the realization of like, but like, we know it sucks, but and we know why it sucks, but
0: it just is what it is.
1: It is what it is, yeah. and like what? And we finally had that realization of like, but why, why though?
0: Yes, but why?
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it doesn't have to. Like, wait a minute. And I think that's kind of what the entire country is going through right now, and the world yes. is. most, um, well, you know, is obviously there's all these waves of feminism, and there's okay like in nine to five, for instance, it's in the late seventies. And so these women, like, it's really important to me. Like we're not like woke actors from the get, you know what I mean? Like these are women in the late seventies. And obviously there was a women's movement then too, but it it was more like, this is terrible rather than this is unacceptable. And I feel like we're at a point now where it's completely unacceptable. Like, um, and so firebrand is kind of just, been a little ahead of the curve. Like we had no idea this would be the national conversation. Yeah. It's but, crazy because
0: um, yeah. it, in the past, I mean, in the past six months alone, there has been a worldwide, and I feel like, so if you're listening and you're not, if you're not an actor, you're not an artist, you're not familiar with kind of what this looks like from our perspective, Um, you know, it's becoming this really powerful story that people are finally sharing about all the sexual harassment they've experienced as actors and you're seeing that on a you know on a celebrity level on a on a very high scale level but like as women in theater this is something we deal with all the time and this is something at equal pay it does not exist um as a woman and if it does it's really rare to find um and it's really really Fucking unfair and really, you're right, unacceptable is 100% the word that should be used for that. And I'm so happy that a conversation is being made more globally. Um, but I feel like the conversation can never stop because it's something that I think people can get really easily complacent with or just think this is just somebody telling a story that doesn't actually exist. Um, and, you know, it's not i'm not like saying like trying to shame like the the men who have like gone through you know whatever it's like okay they they did what they did at the time and like i'm not trying to like judge their actions or or no or no or claim that i know what happened in that room um but i'm also like not a person that's going to just stand by and allow experiences in an audition room where i am told by a a casting director by someone who could potentially cast me in the show that I have to act more sexy in the song or else I will not get be considered for a role like that is not acceptable that is not acceptable and it has happened to me multiple times and yeah yeah, it just blows my mind so can you I know you you said that you had multiple experiences of this yourself Mm -hmm. can you share one that particularly stands out?
1: Yeah, I was understudying at a big equity house because contrary to what, it's funny because um, we've watched, there's the Me Too movement nationally, but in Chicago, there has been Mm -hmm. company after company, artistic director after artistic director that is kind of, companies have closed, all kinds of things have happened because of harassment and assault. Mm -hmm. And um, I've watched the ones that haven't been caught yet on social media sharing sharing the the articles and stuff can you believe this like and and some of them like I have experiences with my friends have experiences with and like do we out everyone right away like you know so I don't know I, I don't have the answer to that yeah um but it's someone that's still you know still out there a theater and I was watching a dress rehearsal and um there was a scene where the woman was, um, how hel- was being held up, um, by a man. Like he- there was a lift involved mm-hmm. and I was, I was watching cause normally I was in the ensemble and I was like, okay, I was standing next to this director and this is not a bad guy. This, I, I mean, it's, it's ingrained in everyone. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a national sickness, the yeah. misogyny. Yeah. Um, in our community um anyway so he I, I was like oh that's how that works and he turned to me and he was like oh 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 oh, no 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 you you wouldn't have to do that like we have built you a special costume and I was like what do you mean he's like well obviously different body types and like <laughs> um you know, I'm a curvy girl. I'm not going to lie, but this was a linebacker. Like this was a guy that could have lifted me yeah. like a leaf, you yeah. know what I mean? And, um, I, I remember, and this was at a big equity house. And I remember just, you know, cause then you're like, is this why I lost the role to her? Is yeah. this why? Yeah. And then you go through the, is this why? Yeah you know, rabbit hole, because yes. um, there's, you know, was a lot of other things in that circumstance, but then I remember I went up to my dressing room, and I, like, my paycheck was on <laughs> my dressing table, and it was, a, you know, it's one of the more decent paychecks in the city, and yeah. um, I was like, okay, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> But just stuff like that, you know, like I, that, but that was like, but he, he had no, like he He'd thought know, it was, he was yeah. doing me a favor. Yeah, for sure. And that's what it is. A lot of times, like I had one of my mentors, um, Sheldon Petinkin, who's my heart, who I love. He, he was my Dumbledore and he he passed a couple of years ago and he was like, God, if you'd only lose weight, you would be unstoppable. And I know like this man, I was, I was one of his muses. Mm-hmm. Like he would cast me in stuff that no one else would ever cast me in. Mm-hmm. And he was so kind to me and he meant well, yeah. like that was, that was actually meant as like to help yeah. me. Yeah, and But like, I've been thinking a lot about my origin story. Cause I just, this is a side note, but I just did the, um, the life-changing magic of tidying up. Oh, love it.
0: <laughs> Did it change your life in every way? And you're like, Oh my God, every, nothing sparks joy. I just need to throw all my shit out. Yes. <laughs> which is actually why we were
1: laughing earlier. So it's like, this isn't video, right? Cause my room is a little messy right now because yeah. I've, I've gotten to the next part. So, you know, it gets clean and yes. then it gets messy again and yes. you know, but, um, but anyway, so I had to touch everything. What, what it is, is you're supposed to pick up every single belonging you have. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't bring you joy, you throw it out except for like tampons, you know,
0: <laughs> but that's real. I, <laughs> <laughs> Although I haven't awful. used tampons now in like a year and game changer. Have you heard of the diva cup before?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's not it's for not me. Your, it's not for you. Yeah. Anyways,
0: it's. Yeah. It's my. It's literally like my lifesaver.
1: I'm obsessed with it. So that's
0: amazing. Yeah. I do
1: like things. I'm all about things. Oh.
0: Um.
1: Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But um. Anyway, so I had to go through all my old Navy paperwork and mm. all my old medical paperwork and like. So I joined the Navy when I was 19, right? And um, I you know, there's these all these regulations you have to pass when you're in the military. There's yeah. physical readiness tests. There's a weight test. There's all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I was always, and I mean, this is when I was 19 running every day, yep. working out. And I would always barely be under the weight. I was on diets, uh, you know, the whole yeah. thing. Um, and they would have to, like, if you, if you failed the weight, they would do a measurement test. So they would do the body. Anyway, the whole point of this is, so I was two pounds over what I was supposed to be when I joined the military as like a teenager. Like I'll, I'll show you pictures later. Like I was so tiny yeah. and they'd stamped obese on my paperwork. So I'm going through this paperwork. Oh my
0: God.
1: So I had this like big red obese stamp on like all of this paperwork from when I was like the cutest little teenager. Oh and I was like, well, fucking no wonder. Yeah. I've had body dysmorphia my entire adult life, my entire career. It kind of derailed my acting career for a while because it got so bad. Yeah, Because for people that don't, have that you don't understand like every single audition every single like sometimes I would lose myself in a character on stage enough you know to not think about it but usually while I'm on stage like usually in every aspect I would be thinking I'm too fat for this role they think this they think that and of course I'm creating my own narrative I don't know what they think but I kind of do because
0: people would tell me that and you've seen the evidence like you've been told yeah yeah
1: I've been told you know multiple times and I would always be like the one curvier girl in the room and at the time I was almost like like should I take that as a compliment that they're willing to look past you know my flaws yeah but like at a certain point it just um I just had enough. I had enough. And I wrote this blog about it and it went crazy viral. It was nuts. Yeah,
0: And we'll attach that to the show notes because I remember reading this and I was also like starting to share my story too around the same time. Um, And it was just like, hell yes, that someone else that I genuinely know in real life is talking about this because it's just it's so, so, so poignant. And it's not just for actors. It's for so many, you know, like we are constantly inundated with these pictures. I mean, I literally remember trying on bathing suits when I was 12. And it's so funny because I was just in Hawaii and I was wearing these amazing bathing suits. I felt so good in them. And I was like, I'm not like skinny. I'm, I'm 30 pounds heavier than when I was at my skinniest when I was obsessively like not eating and, um, like orthorexia up the wazoo and just was like a a, fragment of the human being that I knew. Um, But like I was, and it started like when I was really young, but I will never forget this moment. I was 12 years old and I was trying on bathing suits and bathing suits were like the biggest trigger for me. I just felt so gross. And I always, always felt like my body was never enough. I was always kind of like the curvier girl growing up, you know? And like, I tried on these bathing suits and in the changing room, there was this poster of this woman who was this like, perfectly toned and like Why tiny do that? in the changing room and there I was staring at this picture going I don't look like that my thighs don't look like that and I'm 12 years old and like oh. it was so interesting like finally feeling like I have gotten to a place with my body and my mind where mm. I genuinely love me I love the cellulite. I love the stretch marks. (laughs) I love the rolls. Like I love me and what I'm capable of. And yeah, like fitness and health is a huge part of my life, but I do it because it helps me feel my best, not because I'm doing it out of this like terrifying way or because a director or a past teacher has told me I have to lose weight in order to be successful in this business. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's. It's definitely, if you're feeling this way, if you are an actor (laughs) and you are feeling this way, please know you are not alone. And please know that you don't need to freaking change how you look or who you are in order to fit some fucking mold that I just, I could talk about this forever, but like that a director or someone else in this industry tells you you need to fit because they're just not your person. And it's not worth it.
1: I used to, I used to just, like we said, I used to think, Oh, I'm creating this like, this is my hang up. This isn't what other people were thinking. But then enough people I I got to play. And again, this is all with people I love. I got Mm -hmm. to play Violet. Um, I was lucky enough to play Violet in Chicago a while back. And I was told I had to lose 20 pounds. To play Violet, to play like a girl who just like a normal girl. She's ugly. Yeah. The girl actually thinks she's ugly. Like yeah. she's not even supposed to be a knockout. Yeah, and I was told I had to lose twenty pounds. And um, yeah, so that that was just so consistent in my career, um, and it it just it, I carried it with me everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. And the, but the thing is, you have to get to a point. Of course, like I said, Danny and I would have those conversations on my couch for, you know, a decade, Mm -hmm. but we kept it to ourselves. Women would talk about it together, but we kept it to ourselves. And then I I reached a point where I'm not afraid of who is willing to hire me and who isn't. Yeah. They would be lucky to hire me. And if they don't want to, then I don't want to work with them. So if they don't want to work with me because I'm speaking out about Mm -hmm. how it's messed up how women are treated in this community.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then they're not my people, like you 100%. just said. So yeah. So I but you have to get past the fear because even when that blog went viral while my dad was still alive, he um, he messaged me and he's like, this is this is really gonna he's like, I'm really worried about you. This is gonna affect your career. Like people are gonna blacklist you. And I have been blacklisted. People black, people have blacklisted me, um, throughout my career. And you know what? I still have a career Yeah, because I'm not being blacklisted because I'm an asshole or because I'm violent or like I'm being blacklisted because
0: they're speaking your mind,
1: want me to speak my truth. And so (laughs) that can't hurt me. That can only hurt them. It took me a really long time to learn that.
0: Yeah, did you, what did you do? Like, what were some of the tools that helped you kind of navigate that process? Because I know it it does not obviously happen overnight, but I know it's well, a constant journey.
1: Honestly, it was the tour. Um, I did the national tour and like, because, you know, like when you're a young actor and you're into theater, so for people that don't, that don't know, kind of like the epitome of what you can achieve in theater would be Broadway mm-hmm. or winning a Tony, you mm-hmm. know? And so booking a Broadway national tour is pretty far up the rungs of yeah, like, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and I really hated it. I hated mm. it. I, you know, I love the people and um, I think our show was actually fantastic, but I was in the ensemble and I covered mother superior and um, I'm, I'm such an actor. I'm, I'm such an artist yeah. and no offense to people that like dig that dig, like being in the ensemble of a big Broadway musical, because there are people that do, and let me
0: tell you, they are the most talented people in the show. And it's amazing. And it's so cool. (laughs) Yes, Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I was like, Oh, well, I don't like being a cog in the machine. Like I want to do something that makes a difference, Um, whether it's as an artist or as an administrator or as a producer, like I don't want to just, be wave my nun hands in the back. Um, and you know, uh, Jerry Zach's he's a brilliant director, but he told us don't act, he told the nuns not to act because he wanted to use us as a movie camera. So, wherever the nuns looked, that's where the action was essentially, mm-hmm. which I get, but to be told, like, I'm an actor first, always, yeah. like, I just happen to have done a lot of musicals, yeah, but um. To be told like not to act <laughs> in New York, like my dream so has happened. Crazy. Like I got a Broadway national tour, oh <laughs> I go to New York, oh. and they told me not to act. And I was like, "Oh, this is not my jam." Yeah, this no, is not my jam. Yeah. So I think having having that dream shattered a little bit made I was able to stop thinking so much about my vanity and stop thinking mm-hmm. so much about what ladders I had to climb and where I had to go mm-hmm. and what I had to achieve to feel successful. Mm-hmm. And I got to actually start thinking about what I could do to make me happy.
0: You remove the shiny pennies.
1: Remove success from the equation, yeah. honestly. Um, and make it more about what will fulfill me, what will make me want to get up in the morning and go to sleep at night.
0: Yeah
1: excited for the next day and it's not
0: always (laughs) totally I mean it's still messy it's still work yeah Yeah. but I totally resonate and it's funny because I think coming out of college like for me the shiny pennies were so real and I was Mm -hmm. like well I just need to do what I need to do and that's when I got really skinny because I was told I needed to get really skinny and so I lost all this weight and felt like shit and I was miserable and all of a sudden all the things that I thought I wanted weren't there and I wasn't happy. And I was getting these great shows, but I wasn't happy. And it's like, yeah, if you really truly go inside and, you know, if it's journaling or if it's, you know, meditation or whatever works for you, but like legitimately ask yourself, like, if I could do anything that would make me happy, what would that be? And for me as an actor, at least it's not – being on Broadway. It's not going on tour. It's doing work that matters. It's telling stories that make an impact and it's getting to make people think. And if I do that in a tiny ass storefront theater in Chicago, cool. If I do that on a big stage, cool. Like if I do that at the Shakespeare Festival in Stratford, Ontario, which is my dream, but like, cool. But like in the same vein, it has to resonate and it has to be a hell yes. Like I'm not just, I don't know. I'm I'm not the kind of actor who will say yes to every opportunity that comes my way or even audition for every opportunity that is out there because I just don't resonate with a lot of things. Um, And I would rather be choosy and I would rather do the work that really makes me happy and thrive and feel like I'm doing something important with my goddamn life, then just fluff, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, Dessa so, Rose kind of ruined me for all other theater. Um, do you know yeah, that show? I do. All? Yeah. Um, it was my, uh, it was, I think it's the last show I did before I went on tour actually, which unfortunately for the tour, like I just, so Dessa Rose is about, um, a, uh, young female slave. Um, and, um, and a plantation owner's wife mm-hmm. and the um, unlikely friendship that they form. Mm-hmm. I think the friendship takes actually to the end of the show, but they they have a partnership. Yeah. Like they, they um, depend on each other. And people were so moved by that show. People were so... It's the first time I ever did theater where it felt like I was a humanitarian. <sighs> like yes. it felt like we were doing work like we were healing people, yeah. like people were um we were changing people's lives, not just making them laugh or mm-hmm. you know, because we do you know, yeah, I, I do sure. musicals. Yeah. So like most of them aren't that deep. They're yeah. mostly just entertainment. Um yeah. obviously there's a lot of exceptions and that doesn't mean it can't move you. But this was like actually like not just talking about the past, but examining our present. Mm-hmm. And that after doing that show, I was,
0: I don't really want to do theater that doesn't do that. Yeah. Honestly. I know I got ruined similarly. So I yeah. totally understand. Did you see Loving Repeating when we did that? Okay. I didn't. So mm-hmm. th- that was for me, the show that like changed my life. And cause it's very obscure musical. It's about the life of Gertrude Stein and her relationship and and eventual, like pseudo marriage with her wife. Really great
1: stuff about it. <laughs> yeah,
0: and the music is so incredible, and the story is so poignant. And you're right; it's a sto- historical thing, and it's talking about her life, but it's so impactful in the present. And getting to be her on stage, oh man! Like I get emotional talking about it because getting to be her on stage was just like this gift. Mm-hmm. It was such a gift, and. I will never forget that experience. I don't feel like I... I don't know if I'll ever have one like that again, honestly. And and if I do, I will, be, I will just soak it up for everything it's worth because getting to play characters and getting to tell stories that leave people asking, like genuinely questioning their beliefs, genuinely asking questions and feeling like they have just entered into a world that has completely transformed them. Like that's so powerful. And I'm so glad that you've had that in your life because I'm grateful every day that I experienced that. I'd never thought I would, honestly, that so young, like into my, and so early in my career, but I'm grateful. I hope I have another opportunity like that again.
1: For sure. I mean, you just have to, what I have learned is that I don't want to go from show to show to show to show Mm -hmm. you know um because I would like to to get act again at some point but Mm -hmm. it's gonna be real oh man I'm gonna be picky because it's just I I don't want to do the kind of theater that just like makes people happy and there's nothing wrong with it um on sister act the way I was able to finally rationalize it is that we were joy makers and that's so important oh my gosh that's so important like and people would lose their minds you know they just I've never felt more like a rock star than in Tokyo doing sister act I mean so fun nuts and I was like none number who cares and they would come to the dressing uh they would come to the 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 uh door Mm -hmm. where we came out and not only like her her, not harass but not only like around the leads but they'd be like harmony i'm like okay what yeah (laughs) because they're so freaking polite i i'm obsessed with japan they're so polite and they would memorize the because you know they didn't want to be rude and not know your name and people would bring me gifts and again i was nun number eight yeah who gives a fuck and I got like chocolate covered strawberries and like all the stuff, which in the States I would have thrown away right away. But in, in Japan, like they're, they're so kind and yeah. you, they're so like people would lose their stuff while we were there. Like someone lost their laptop on the train and a wallet and they would get it everything back Mm -hmm. every time
0: because it's just
1: such a respectful culture anyway that's a side note no I
0: love that though that's and that's (laughs) so cool like that's a part of you know being a performer is you get to travel if that's if that's something you you choose to do and that's really cool that That was
1: the cool part of the tour obviously is the travel but um but yeah, there's something to be said for joymakers, and I'm not putting them down, but I'm too much of, I think, my my inner activist and my my inner, I just have too much go- bubbling inside me that I, I can't just stay. I have friends that just got off the Sister Act tour, mm-hmm. like the same tour. There was like a short break, and they just did an Asian tour, because right before we announced the season, they got a hold of me. Mm. and let me tell you it was tempting yeah. it was it was tempting because it was scary it was tempting to, to just hit the escape hatch like okay bye guys yeah. <laughs>
0: you
1: know to do this whole this whole season and um you know I I've I've done a lot of it a lot of it on my own um and that's not to play the martyr or anything but that was scary and it was hard and mm-hmm. um I had an, I had a, I had an opportunity to run away, but, but anyway, so these people, these people, because they're great at Sister Act have been in various versions of Sister Act since I did it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I could not do Sister Act this long. There's just no way because it doesn't, it's a funny show. It's cool show. It's fun show. It doesn't fulfill me. Like I, even, even Lizzie, like it ended when it ended and people are like, Oh, it needs to like run forever. I'm like, no, like, I mean, we need to make more art and new say new things. Yeah. And that's not why Lizzie isn't running forever, but, um, (laughs) but you know, I just, I think it's so important to have an actual real conversation with the shows that we're doing
0: for sure. And not
1: just keep doing something because
0: it's successful for sure. Yeah, can we go back to what you said for a second? You said I didn't take the easy way out. I didn't run away. Why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> um quite honestly, the
1: because I wasn't my my dad had passed like a little bit before that. Um cuz what's what's crazy is the day that we were supposed to launch the company in the press was the day that ended up being my dad's funeral. So, so- so we pushed it a week (laughs) yeah and then I talked to my um PR guy David Rosenberg he's amazing shut (laughs) up and he was like oh I think it was Stephan Wolf or something had an announcement that day he's like let's push it one more day and so that ended up being international women's inter inter wait what is it why can't I say international women's day international women's day yeah which we had no idea, which is hilarious.
0: That's so funny. Yeah. because
1: we la- launched on International Women's Day, that's why Playbill picked it up, American Theater Magazine, mm. blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the point is, it, it. you know, I was in deep, deep, deep grief. Yeah. And my company was already blowing up. Like from the get, like from the moment we announced, all oh, these emails are coming in from like kind of fancy people. And we were confused and we didn't know what we thought we were starting a storefront company. Like we didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And so it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot to handle. It's a lot like sensory and, overload. <laughs> yeah. And like Danny's acting career it just was going so well that like, she wasn't really able to contribute like she wanted to. So, um, you know, she's still involved, but like we kind of parted the, we were co-artistic directors for a while. And so Right before we launched the season, I I had just freshly been made the sole artistic director. I was still grieving my father. Um, Yeah. And it just was so scary we didn't actually have the money yet to do this like we had that big gala planned and I was like well we have to make a lot of money at this gala and we did which was incredible yeah and then we were able you know to do the things but it's always it's like playing the stock market it's crazy the gambling that you have to do um and you're gambling with people's lives so it's not just like, if, if you have to cancel a show, you're not just, you know, inconveniencing yourself. And it's not just embarrassing to you, but you have to, like, take care of all of these people. Yeah. And that, to answer your question, is why I didn't run away and do the international, the, the Asian tour of Sister Act. Because I'd already been on the circuit for a year. I'd already been doing benefits and talking at schools and giving interviews and the way women, especially young women, look at me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the amount of responsibility that I feel to take care of these women as much as I can, that are entering into um, our field is what is what made me do it
0: yeah, you have <laughs> you have a bigger <laughs> mission yeah. yeah, and you
1: know it was, I was like i can't. And Sharice was already precast in um, nine to five. And I was like, I can't let her down. I was like, I can't let these people down. Like, I can't just go run away and lick my wounds. And, you know, like I, 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 I was telling my friend who actually is a mother. So I was <laughs> like, please don't be offended by this analogy. But I really feel like a mother. I do yeah. like, I feel like I have to take care of these humans and I have to make sure um that they're cared for, and I'm going to fuck up. I've already fucked up so many times. There's so many things I did wrong during Lizzie, and there's so many bad calls that I made, but there were so many good calls that yeah. I made. Um, I think much like motherhood. Like, you don't know what the hell you're doing. Like it just yeah. no matter how many books you read, no matter no matter yeah. what you do to prepare, you cannot be prepared because every child is different. Just like this theater company, like I, I can talk to other artistic directors. No one has followed what I'm doing right now. Like what I'm doing right now does not follow like any business model that I could look at. Yeah. Because everyone's like, start small, grow slow. Like that, you know, that's the idea. And that's not what we've done. Yeah. Um, I think that was our intention, but it kind of, it it, it took on its own momentum and I was like, well, we we just have to go with it. Like we just have to Mm -hmm. but we wanted to be commercially viable first show out of the gate. Commercially competitive with any theater in the city, first show out of the gate. We did not want to do like a small no no offense to you know people that do, but we we didn't want to do like something where I made the set and we you know like we didn't want to do a tiny little storefront thing. We wanted, because we knew, this is the thing. Yes, I'm an activist and yes, I'm a feminist and all of that stuff is true. Everything I say is true, but I'm also a businesswoman and it doesn't matter how good our intentions are if it doesn't sell.
0: 100%.
1: If we don't get people to see it, then it it doesn't matter how, what our mission is and that we're trying to empower women if no one sees the shows. Right. So- you still have to pick stuff and you still have to do stuff in a way that is, com- that can be commercial that could like Lizzie had the potential to be kind of this, this like cult following kind of thing. And I knew that uh, mm-hmm. because of the subject matter and cause it's rock and cause of the frickin' cast we had, cause they were incredible mm-hmm. and nine to five. Now we're doing it a little bit differently, but it's a big commercial musical yeah. that we're kind of reshaping for our purposes. But um, you, you can't just, like, I knew we couldn't just do really cr- crazy obscure stuff right off the bat. And we'll be mixing some of that in there, but you have to think as a business too. You totally. can't just be the artist or be the activist or, or your, your, your company won't succeed, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. And it's all about finding that balance and failing forward in the process. Like you're so right. Like you had to take a completely new path that you didn't intend or think would happen. But that's what I say to all of my all of my like clients and people. It's like you're constant I'm constantly failing forward. Like as a as a businesswoman myself, like, you know, from an act I feel like I'm a businesswoman from an actor because you literally represent yourself. But like also like being a health coach and being a podcaster, it's like you have to constantly be Like failing forward and trying shit. Like, I don't know how to start a podcast, but I freaking did it. You know, I figured it out. And because I am so passionate about having these kind of conversations, because I'm so passionate about showing other women that it is part of life to go through a quarter-life crisis, a midlife crisis, like all of the crises as, as a woman, um, and to really question who you are and what you're doing and that that's freaking normal, that that is actually probably more on the normal track than like people make it out to be. And I just want to illuminate those things because there's not enough voices in this world. I feel like there cannot be enough women sharing this message and sharing their their truths, And you're doing that every day um, by failing forward. And that is so fucking rad. It's
1: funny because that's literally what we do. It's like uh, we just try stuff and see what works. Like just (laughs) are throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Like it's so funny because my social media um, guru, Amanda Horvath, and I just are like, well – let's do the weird thing that no one's done before and see if it works. And weirdly, most of the stuff has worked. Some of it has not obviously, Mm -hmm. but um, I remember I was sitting at my apartment and there's, you know, there's pros and cons to not having that many people helping you run a company. Like Mm -hmm. I have people that work for the company, but the actual day to day, you know, the day to day Mm -hmm. running of the company, the finances, the contracts, all of that is still me. And, um, so it can get, it can get overwhelming.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But, but there are pluses to it, and one of them was I was sitting in my apartment, and I was like, I'm going to make a subscription series. We did, had never done a show, we had never done a show, and I was like, I'm going to see if I can get subscribers. And so I'm sitting in my living room, and I was like, What should I call them? Harmony? What do you want to call them? Ember? Sure, that sounds good. Like I didn't have to run anything by anyone. And I, uh, the, the company I was involved with last time, Bailiwick Chicago, tried to get a subscription series started mm-hmm. the whole time and people couldn't agree on how it should go or what name, mm-hmm. the names or whatever. And I did it in two hours. Yeah, because, because you were the person making decisions. Exactly. I was like, Harmony, what do you think? I don't know. That sounds good, Harmony. Okay, great. Like, <laughs> just, that's what obviously- I do, but with my dog. <laughs> I was like, okay, obviously that, can't stay like eventually yeah. I, I do need people to especially because we're growing very very quickly when people hear the next um this is we're working on it it's not finalized but um next season and what what is happening and it's very exciting and we're not doing that slow growth thing mm-hmm. which is terrifying it's really terrifying because we didn't start with a big startup funds you know so I'm constantly raising money constantly it never ends it never never ends and just because you don't see it on social media all the time doesn't mean I'm not privately talking to people constantly you know um because it's tricky you know this it's tricky the balance of how much exposure when is too much and I have a good instinct for it I'm like okay people are tired of me right now so I'm gonna just be quiet for a minute yeah they they don't want to listen to firebrand right now like let's take a week and just post like feminist stuff before like come to our show you know for sure it's hard the balance is hard but we we cannot survive without donations and without people helping like it
0: but you know what like you're facing your fears head on and I think That is, that is how you grow. And that is how you find the joy on the other side. Right? Like, I don't remember who I heard this from. um, But I was talking about joy and happiness and like the path to happiness. And it's, and they said, it's not like through doing things you love. It's not whatever, but it's through growth. And if you're stagnant in your life, you know, From a business perspective, from a life perspective, from a relationship perspective, if you're not constantly, constantly growing, you're not gonna find that joy, like, because it's fleeting, right? And so, if we're constantly working on those things and we're constantly growing to becoming our best selves or growing our companies into becoming their best selves, like that, that is how we find the light on the other side. And it's a constant growth. Like it never ends. And that's really cool though, because you're constantly exploring new things and new avenues and you're failing forward, like I said, and just kind of figuring it the fuck out Mm -hmm. as you go. So that's awesome. And I'm, and I think that being scared is normal. I think that embracing the fear is the important part instead of running away from it.
1: Yeah. It's just for me, um, the thing that I think is the hardest for me is that I'm just, I'm better now, but during Lizzie, I was constantly stressed. Yeah, constantly. Like I actually lost about 15 pounds because I couldn't eat. Um, oh my gosh. I would try. <laughs> I would like have a bite of something, and be like, "Oh nope, nope, nope." Have you nope, found stress reducing
0: yeah, like, habits was- or things that have worked for you to be? I'm sorry? To- Did you find any like stress reducing things or tools that have helped you?
1: Um. Well. I think going into nine to five, I'm more prepared, prepared. I stacked my deck as far as who I hired. I, I stacked it like twofold or threefold. Like everyone has an assistant. Um, Yeah. I don't just have a production manager. I have an assistant production manager and I have, you know, another assistant in, in case those two people are busy. Like right. a lot of stuff fell to me during, um, Lizzie for various reasons and um I, I think that's where the stress was and mm. so I've I think I've set myself up for better success for nine to five and that's also awesome. honestly I'm not kidding purging my room Yeah. because after Lizzie I was like I need space I need literal space I need space in my brain I need I just need clear surfaces And I got rid of like 75% of my
0: clothes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wasn't that such a game changer? The clothes aspect of it was seriously enlightening for me. Absolutely. I just I don't was like
1: anything. I don't like now. Yeah.
0: Me too. Or that I just didn't wear like, why yeah. was I keeping shit well, in my like, closet for three years? Ready is
1: so easy. Yeah. I, be
0: like, I want that
1: specific shirt with that specific pair of tight. I know where everything is.
0: Yes. And like, even not just like the actual items themselves, but also the way that she talks you through actually putting them back into yeah. spaces. You guys, yeah. if you seriously pick up this book, Life Changing Magic of Tidying Up, I will <laughs> I link it in the it show like notes. changed
1: my life because yeah. going into nine to five and I'm directing this one, like Ooh. be more stressed and like knock on wood because who knows, maybe it's coming, but um, I really think cleaning up my space and just mm. taking, I deleted Facebook for like two weeks which I do that from time to time. It's impossible for me to do it permanently because of my it's business. Your job. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I never miss it when it's gone. I never miss it. I don't have like phantom thumb or anything. Like I'm like, Oh, it's always a release. Um, and so I deleted Facebook. I kind of like just, I was still getting work done, but I just kind of cocooned and just worked on my my room and I cooked and I just took care of myself, Mm -hmm. which I can't name the last time I did that. So I would, I mean, just, you know, it's obvious self-care. Like if you're not sleeping, if you're not eating, if you're not drinking water, and I was doing none of those things during Lizzie, you know, um, obviously your brain's going to be a mess. Like, how are you gonna, you know, feel like a healthy, you know, happy human if, not taking care of yourself. And it's that whole thing of you have to put your own oxygen mask on first. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I, I, I did not do that. And I'm bad at that. And so that's something I'm trying to start to do because
0: if I'm not here, this company doesn't exist yet. Sure. That's what I tell all my clients. It's like, you have to, for me too, it's like, I can't show up for my day. I can't show up for my clients. I can't show up for all of you listening, unless I filled my cup up first, every morning I fill my cup and then I can over, it's a, I love the cup analogy, but the oxygen mask also works. But I always say like you fill your cup with all of the things you need to feel your best and then you can overflow. And that doesn't mean that your day is not going to have shit that you have to deal with. That doesn't yeah. mean that like you're not going to get a random call being like, Hey, uh, you have this bill that you forgot to pay or whatever, but it means that you're at least setting the foundation for the day that you're going to lead and for the person that you're going to be so that you can like actually show up for other people instead of yeah. constantly just like running rag- yourself ragged and yeah. going into burnout, which is all too familiar for my life and <laughs> sounds like it might be for yours too. So,
1: Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it's easy to feel really – I get paralyzed. That's what happens mm-hmm. to me. Like mm-hmm. I get – Cause I have my to-do lists are insane. I'm in yeah. pre-production for five different things right now that people don't even know about because there's so much pre-planning that goes into everything. Yeah. And to have all of those lists, plus the list of just really run, just running the company plus obviously getting ready to direct nine to five. There's all these things. And when there's so many lists, like, and you don't even know where to start and it's just like, you just want to hide you just want to hide under your covers and pretend it doesn't exist and then and there are days that i do that i'm not going to lie yeah. because you know i have really I, I have high anxiety and there are days when it wins but there are also ways to battle it i know if i get a good night's sleep mm-hmm. i know like if i'm up most of the night i'm going to have major anxiety the next day because i'm going to be tired and not feel like i'm working 100% like there's just so many things. I started uh, during Lizzie when it was really bad. <laughs> I started getting a massage like every two. Weeks. Um, I went to a healer and she did energy work on me. And the very first time she like, it's a friend of mine. And uh, the very first time she hugged me, she was like, "Oh, you've given it all away." Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gone. So I think for any of us that, um, I mean, because this is the the. Time right where everyone is just it's it's almost like a badge of honor. I'm busier than oh you gosh. are,
0: yeah.
1: Um, you know that whole thing. Yeah. And um, we have to take care of ourselves because yeah. otherwise, like none of the rest, the rest of it doesn't matter. Because yeah. I can't, I I wouldn't have been able to sustain what, what I was doing, doing yeah. while Lizzie was going on, for instance. Um, So I had to be like, okay, how can I sustain this? What can I change about my life that this is sustainable because this company needs to exist at least until I get it to a point where I could hand it off to someone who could take care of it. But right now I don't have that. So, um, I I have to grow this company and I have to make it solid. I have to get a solid foundation. And then if I want to move on, then, you know, maybe there'll be someone cool that I can pass it off to. But, um, right now I have to sustain it. So I have to sustain, Me. For sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Have you heard of the top three tool for like tackling your to-do list? Have you heard of that? Maybe. uh, What is it? This is something (laughs) I've been implementing and it's totally game changer. So at the beginning of every week, um, I write down like the big to-dos that I know I need to tackle. And then I also do like a daily one as well. And then I identify the three most important things that I absolutely have to get done that day. And that's what I focus on. And if that's all I get done that day, then it's a fucking good day. But I think like we get so I know like I'm a list person and I get I get so overwhelmed by like the sheer amount of things that I write down. Like I'm a ridiculous human that way. And so I think having just literally circle one, two and three next to certain things, I feel like, okay, I have accomplished what I needed to do today. And like I feel so much better. I don't know if that's something you could implement or anyone listening could implement, but, um, it's I, I, I'm helps. sure
1: that, um, that sounds awesome. Unfortunately for my company, if I only accomplished three things, I, I have to get like 10 done a day with, with everything that's going on, but it, it is getting better. Yeah. <laughs> it is getting better. And, um, People are, you know, coming on and helping out, helping out. and
0: yeah. hiring help for sure. Yeah,
1: like with with nine to five, I was like, "Oh, you did that? Wait, I'm used to doing that. Oh, wait, you're doing that? Hey, this cool, is cool. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: That's awesome. I have someone
1: working on, you know, fundraising and development now. Like, it's it's slowly building. That's awesome. Building. I'm so happy to hear that.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Okay. I so appreciate having you on. Where I like doing this kind of like fun little spitball questions at the end. Uh-oh. Are you okay. ready? Okay. Favorite fictional character of all time
1: Cassandra of Troy. (gasps)
0: Yes. (laughs) Love that. I think, oh gosh, I don't know how to choose this. I feel like my instinct goes Hermione Granger because she is my spirit animal of a younger self. If you do not know who I'm talking about, then I don't think we can be friends if you don't know Harry Potter, Um, (laughs) but I love that. Love that. Okay. What's the most interesting thing you've read or seen in the past week?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I think, honestly, um, I'm obsessed with Black Panther.
0: Mm. It's
1: so damn good. I've already seen it twice, and I'm looking into seeing it a third time. So anything that pops up, any of these, like, behind the scenes of the costumes, yeah. or the this is the real tribe It was based, this. you know, this particular character was based on, I've been reading
0: all of it. I have not seen it yet, so I'm going to have to do
1: oh that. Oh, my gosh. It, it is, honestly, it is not just the best, like, Marvel superhero movie mm-hmm. ever, or superhero movie ever? It's like in my top five, ever. What? Okay, for me. Okay, sold. I love action movies. I love like I love that, but I obviously, am, you know, I'm an actor and plot based, so I yeah. want it to have phenomenal actors in it and a great story. And this has all of it.
0: So it's. Do you think like, it's better than Wonder Woman?
1: Yes. <gasps> okay. I know, and more feminist. What? Okay. Yeah. You'll see. You'll see when you see it. I was because we that's a whole we can have yeah, a whole podcast yeah. about that, but, but yeah, it's more feminist than Wonder Woman. We'll have to, we'll,
0: we'll bring you back. We'll chat feminism one on one. It'll be great. Um, awesome. And then last one, what does it mean to you to live a fuck yes life?
1: Oh, you know, honestly, it just for me, it's it's um, it's peace, it's mm. having that peace of mind, like whether. It, it's because I'm proud of an accomplishment or I did get my 10 things done in the day mm-hmm. or I got enough done that I can just sit with my roommate and watch TV and not actually and not think about anything. Yeah. Like for me, it's just contentment. I'm not looking for joy or happiness, quite honestly. I'm looking for contentment and um,
0: calmness.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. yeah, calm amidst the storm. I love that. Awesome. So how can our listeners connect with you? Oh, yeah. Um, So our website
1: is firebrandtheater.org. And that's T-H-E-A-T-R-E. We are also on Facebook. Um, We're on Instagram at firebrand.theater. And we're on Twitter. Um, Yeah, so we're all over the place. I actually have a blog called With Harmony, which I haven't written on in a while. But If you wanted to go look at my, like, I have some fat shaming blogs Mm -hmm. in there and stuff about feminism. I'm also a Huffington Post contributor. Um, That also has been a while, but some of my articles are on there. Uh, Yeah, so all over the place. And come see a show. Oh, my gosh. 9 to 5 opens April 10th. At the den, and this is not your mama's nine to five. No offense to your mama. Like, <laughs> this is gonna be a little different. we're really excited about it. Uh, Charisse Hamilton is starring as Dora Lee, which is the character that uh Dolly Parton made famous. Um, she's gonna be incredible. We just did the uh a promo photo shoot for them yesterday, and um, it's a great group, it's a really so great excited. group, and it's gonna be exciting. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, but definitely. This- if you are in the Chicago area, do not miss. I can tell you as someone who saw Lizzie, like <laughs> it's just incredible. The casts that they like that they bring together are insane. And the quality of production is out of control and supporting movements like this is huge whether you are an actor or not like if you are in the Chicago area or if you live near Chicago or if you just want to freaking come visit like come (laughs) hang out um tell me you're coming into town so that I can also see you we can go to the show together it'll be great so we're
1: very lucky we've gotten a lot of people I think all the theater companies try to find this and it's probably was unique to Lizzie but we got a lot of non-theater people we got a lot of non-musical theater people and we're actually residents at the den now which is where all of our shows are going to be so that's at 1331 North Milwaukee in Wicker Park
0: yeah it's a great space I really love that space awesome well thank you so much for coming on the podcast Yeah. yeah thank you and there you have it. Thank you so much, Harmony, for coming on the podcast. And for all of you guys listening, make sure to check out all the show notes and everything that we referenced in today's episode at loycom slash podcast slash 11. And between now and next time, I just hope that you know that you are so loved. And if you thought that th- today's episode was incredible, I'm going to be adding Harmony into our community on Facebook. So come check us out. Come be a part of the conversation. If you are looking for that sisterhood, that soul place where you can be open and share, like this is the real deal, you guys. My whole goal with having this community was so that you weren't just listening to these incredible you know, interviews and hearing me speak about all the shit that matters to me. Um, and then, you know, just kind of going off in your own world, but that you had somewhere that you could share the shit and share the struggles with and, and share what's working and what's not and your thoughts on these things. And it's also a space where I ask questions every single week um, in terms of, you know, a lot of the time, like as you guys have probably noticed if you've been listening for a while, um, I do, you know, listener questions and stuff like that so that I can ask specific things that you guys are really wanting to know because this is to serve you 110 percent so come join the community come say hey if you love this episode shout us out on social media at on instagram at live your fuck yes life shoot us a review it means the world and until next time we will see you out there in cyberspace bye-bye